Good morning and good evening. Uh, welcome to Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. It is episode 34, and we are recording this approximately one hour after the conclusion of the recording of the final episode of Up and In, uh, Kevin Goldstein and Jason Park's tremendous podcast, which we will all be terribly sad to see go in the wake of Kevin Goldstein's um, amazing new career. Uh, in honor of that, Ben Lindbergh, what are you drinking? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> this is a this is a 15 minute podcast, so we don't really have time to crack a beer and you know get a few beers deep like they do on Up and In or did on Up and In. Mm-hmm. And I just finished no, dinner. No, that's true. And I had some wine at dinner. But, mm-hmm. but that's over now. All right. <laughs> Where are you, Ben? Uh, I am coming to you via satellite from Langara Island, which is the northernmost island of the Queen Charlotte Islands in British Columbia, Canada, approximately 28 miles south of Alaska. And you did your best to replace me with a guest host, but I was not having it. And I'm here anyway. And uh, your commitment to uh, your commitment to keeping Ian Miller off the air is admirable. <laughs> yeah, he has his own podcast. He can he can talk on that one. Um, but I I fed a bald eagle today, and I. I, I, I <laughs> what did you feed it to? I, I fed it a, a fish that was not. Uh, oh, I, I see. Not a I keeper. See. So we tossed it to a bald eagle, and then I almost caught a five foot shark. It got right up to the boat, and then it got away. And I found out that my fishing guide, Stu, once singled off of Tim Lincecum in high school. Uh, in uh, what, Oh, in high school. Wow. And are, are these stories all lies to uh, mislead us so that we don't figure out that you're actually in Houston interviewing with the Houston <laughs> Astros? No, these are all true. I just wanted to make your, your day look boring by comparison, although I know that you just concluded a fancy dinner party. <laughs> I yeah sure. So anyway, I'm Sam Miller uh, in Long Beach with the door open, and we have a episode ahead. So what should we talk about? Uh, well, I've been sort of out of touch this weekend and have not seen any baseball, though I have read about baseball, which is not really all that different from what I usually do. Um, I wanted to talk about streaming in market baseball games. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'll just uh, talk about the Orioles for like the fourth time in five days, <laughs> yeah, I think. that was a close second um, topic. Why don't, uh, uh, I don't know, why don't I start? Okay. All right. Uh, and uh, apologies if the recording on this gets, uh, well, the recording should be fine, but Ben and I have about a half second extra delay, and so if it sounds like we are disrespecting each other's opinions, it is probably... In, uh, accidental and in good faith taking my um so the orioles to laugh at your jokes ben can you shut up i <laughs> you just interrupted me sorry Go. uh uh the orioles won today they are one game behind the yankees um on september 4th they are um like wow you know what i mean that's all <laughs> uh it's crazy you know it is. um and I, I think that uh, 
this isn't news. They've been doing this all year long. They are now 11 or 12 games uh, wins better than their run differential would suggest. And uh, we ran a few. We've run a few pieces. There have been some pieces run looking at this mystery. Um, and so I, I just want to sum up real quick the the recent um, pieces that have been written about this topic, and then we can maybe see if we have anything else to say. Um, but uh, uh, you wrote uh, about whether. Uh, one-run wins, teams that do well in one-run wins um, are generally do better than teams that do well in four-run wins or more, I believe. And three you runs. found that the three runs, and of course you found that teams that win the big games are generally better teams, mm-hmm. which isn't a big surprise. Yep. Um, Russell Carlton looked at one-run wins to see if there was... Uh, predictive value to them or skill to them and mostly came up empty and found that the most um uh, the strongest uh the most suggestive variable in these cases is simply being the home team and being able to walk off a one-run victor but otherwise did not find much to suggest um a real skill there um i wrote about bullpens and good bullpen performance and found that um, good bullpen performance is itself a sign of luck, that it is not merely the explanation for outperforming one's run differential, but in fact, uh, having a bullpen that pitches well is often very ephemeral and fluky and uh, unlikely to repeat, and so it is in itself a lucky attribute. And finally, uh, Bill Petty wrote on the internet about uh, run differential versus record to see which is more predictive uh, at this point in the season and found that run differential is actually a bit more predictive than record. And so, in fact, the idea that Pythagorean record is a team's destiny is uh, is overstated, and we should probably back away from that somewhat. So um, our playoff odds for the Orioles continue to linger uh, now in the low 20s, despite them uh, being in a uh, in a good seat for a playoff spot right now and, and being just one, perhaps one good day away from uh, taking the AL East lead. Low 20s um, is an improvement. So I guess it is an improvement. It was in the teens last week and it was in the single digits as recently as probably just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but nonetheless, I want to know if you think that uh, this is a blind spot in our playoff odds. Uh, I, I, don't I guess I mean I well let's put it this way I don't really think that the Orioles are secretly better than we think they are um, I mean once you once you factor in their bullpen and the fact that teams with good bullpens do tend to do well in in one run games or at least better than they would otherwise and and so you can kind of be better than your Pythagorean record by doing that Um I still, I mean, the longer it goes on, the more we tend to believe in it or the harder it is to just wave it away as a fluke. Um, but I'm I'm still not really buying it. I, I still don't think that they are the equal of the Yankees or the Rays. Um, you know, if I had... Or maybe the Blue Jays. <laughs> well, maybe the Blue Jays. If I, if I had had to... Uh, just kind of intuit their playoff odds myself without running any simulations, I probably would have put
put them higher than than low twenties just because they are so close and because it is pretty close to the end of the season. Um, but I am not necessarily a good projection system, so uh, I I kind of believe it. I don't I don't think it's terribly off. Yeah, I feel like a jerk bringing the topic up because I don't really have much more to say about the Orioles than that they're a great story that I'm having fun rooting for, but I don't actually believe that they're anywhere near this good. I don't, I mean, every day that they do this is great for them because it requires them not to be good anymore. They're, mm-hmm. They can just sort of hopefully uh, get hot or coast or whatever the case may be, uh, win a couple big games. But they're, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I would be interested in hearing an Orioles apologist uh, try to explain, I don't know, maybe maybe there are no Orioles apologists, but I, I, I don't know if there's anybody who is suggesting that they actually are a good team uh, or, or a, a playoff quality team. Mm-hmm. They, um, they have one above average hitter by warp. They have one above average pitcher by warp. Um, they are 12th in the American League in OPS plus, seventh in ERA plus, ninth in base running, eighth in defensive efficiency. They don't fare better with runners on base or runners in scoring position. Um, and it really is hard to make the case, looking at anything other than their record, that they are a good team. Uh, this is, of course, why people hate us, because <laughs> yes. the record is the only thing that matters. Um, but um, it's it seems to be the case. And um, unless there's something extremely mysterious about baseball that we haven't gotten anywhere close to explaining, I think it's still the safe uh, explanation. Uh, Jason Hamels is uh, possibly coming back on Thursday, though. And that at least makes things a little bit more interesting, because he is their one above average pitcher. Yes, and he is... A better guy to get than than the Joe Saunders and Randy Wolves of the world. Um, you must have missed uh, you must have missed Joe Saunders today. Uh, oh, he he had a perfect game through five or something, didn't he? I didn't miss that, but he was kind of uh, something like that. Yeah, he was pretty Joe Saundersy in his first start for them. Um, but I feel like there will be some sort of backlash inevitably if they do make the playoffs. Uh, there will probably be some articles written about sabermetricians and their fancy formulas and they can't account for whatever it is that made the Orioles tick and we wrote them off and we were wrong to write them off and uh I don't know maybe some of that will be deserved I don't I don't know that anyone has said they have no chance um they've always kind of had a single digit chance in our playoff odds it seems for a while now um yeah, my guess, my guess is that uh, this is just totally a, a blind statement that maybe isn't true, but my guess is that actually sabermetricians who gave the Orioles almost no chance at the beginning of the year probably gave them more chance than the traditional beat writer who, um, in my experience, tend to see one narrative uh, as possible and uh, only, whereas uh, at least, at least um, our playoff odds did give them a 3.5% chance um, before the season began, an acknowledgement of the uh, uncertainty of all baseball events. Mm-hmm. Well, my my guide Stu, who got the hit off of Lincecum, told me today, unprompted, that when he looked back at at the teams that he was on that succeeded, the common thread between all of them was good chemistry and how well all the players got along on and off the field. 
Um, and then he proceeded to praise David Eckstein unironically, which was awesome. Yes, that Canadians haven't really caught up with the whole Eckstein thing yet. I guess um, he's still he's just a good player up here. There's no baggage with him. Um, anyway, not a lot of stews left <laughs> in the majors. No, not really. Um, and this, Too bad. this will not be one of them, even though he. I asked him what the single was, hey, and he said it base, was. <laughs> hey, baseball is uh, baseball is unpredictable. Well, it could be. Yes, it was a line drive single. You never know. He pulled it over the third baseline, and then he struck out looking. Huh. Was next at bat. Anyway, enough about Stu. Um, my topic is uh, streaming in market games. I came back from feeding bald eagles today, and I saw an interview online with Bob Bowman, who is the CEO of Major League Baseball Advanced Media, uh, the people who have brought you such products as MLB TV. And he was interviewed on uh, a Yes Network show called Forbes Sports Money. Uh, And he was kind of asked what he sees the future of in-market streaming as. There are a few teams that that provide it uh, kind of through their regional network. Yes Network, I believe, was the first um, to sort of offer subscribers the, the chance to stream stream the games online. Um, and so Bowman was kind of asked uh, about whether he sees this catching on. Uh, and he talked a lot about how MLBAM has been a big innovator in streaming technology and geolocation. Uh, you know, the, the, the technology that allows people to be blacked out, which everyone loves. Um, and they've really been kind of a driver of that technology and have invested a lot of money in it. And their processes for that are used by uh, many other companies now online. Uh, and so he kind of made the comparison between baseball or streaming in market games and the music industry. He said that if baseball doesn't provide its own solution, um, fans will just find a way to get it some other way. He was kind of alluding to Napster or other file sharing services. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about this because I am a member of the, of the generation that kind of grew up getting music for free and became accustomed to getting music for free. And so I in a way resent paying for things on the internet and yet I also make my living uh, from people who pay to read things on the internet. So I can see both sides of the argument. Um, I think people object a lot to MLBM's policies on what constitutes the blackout area. Um, People feel that it, in many cases, doesn't really reflect a team's actual uh, in-market viewing area. And people also object to MLBM's uh, policy with sharing videos and, and immediately removing everything from YouTube the second it goes up so that we have a hard time watching old baseball highlights, whereas, say, hockey fans do not uh, if they ever feel the need to watch a hockey highlight. So, uh, I mean, MLBM has given us a wonderful product in MLB TV. It is, I think, miles ahead of anything any other sport has provided, and yet... As much as people love it, they seem to spend as much time insulting the company or denigrating the company as they do praising it. And I don't know, I I wonder what you think the future of, uh, I mean, 
the future of baseball broadcasting is a very big topic, but do you think that fans will be able to watch games in market, uh, you know, via officially sanctioned streams in the next few years? Or do you think uh, people will kind of sort of jury rig their own solutions and go to streaming sites or just find a way to do it? I don't know. In five years from now, do you think people will be automatically blacked out everywhere in their in their viewing area or will they be able to pay or do you think the future is free content? And if so, what does that mean for all the teams that are counting on gigantic broadcasting deals to make payroll? Yeah, I think that the gigantic broadcasting deals are the the complication here. The um, the I mean, this is where teams are going to get most of their money. Uh, this is uh, obviously it's a massively profitable thing for the networks, and um, I think that ultimately, if there's going to be a in in market streaming option, uh, it's going to have to be done through. Uh, it's certainly with the, I, I think, with the cooperation of, but perhaps even through um, the networks themselves, the the broadcasters themselves, and I think that there will probably uh, come a day not too long from now when that is an option. I think certainly most TV content, it seems to me, is now available online, if not streaming, uh, than shortly after the fact, um, and. Um, I, I assume that the demand for baseball games will um, at some point make it... Uh, I mean, the thing about it is that most of the things on the internet that are free, if you try to charge for them, you um, get a lot of resistance. But those are generally things that have always been free, whereas baseball games have not always been free. Um Baseball games cost money. People are willing to spend money on them. And uh, um, I asked, actually, I asked one time on Twitter to try to do a, a survey what people would pay to get in-market games added to their subscription. Mm-hmm. And there were people who were sort of violently opposed and said, ah, it should be part of the subscription now, which doesn't make any sense what whatsoever. I mean, you shouldn't. If they don't charge you for it, then they don't charge you for it. It's a market thing. But the it seemed like the people who answered sincerely were willing to pay, you know, somewhere between fifty and one hundred and fifty dollars more a month. I mean, a, a year, which is to say, tw- uh, you know, between thirty percent more and double uh, the cost of their mm-hmm. subscription to get in market games. And um, and I, I think I certainly would, um, although it's a little different for me because it's a work product. But um, I, yeah, I think that I think that they'll find a price that that works. And do you think MLB's policy of of removing all highlights or and and preventing many of them from being embedded for a while which forces people like us or drives people like us to make a gif out of everything uh do you think that that is short-sighted and and wrong-headed to want to drive people to their site and get those clicks and get that advertising revenue or do you agree with the people who say that just getting the highlights out there and allowing them to be shared easily will ultimately lead to more fans and more interest and more revenue. Well, I think that I wouldn't have a problem with their policy if there weren't such huge, massive gaps in what they provide before about 2009. Um, the, the things that I find myself really wishing were there are um, 
a lot more highlights from previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and not just highlights, but, you know, non highlights, just, just, uh, footage, you know, mm-hmm. footage from 19, you know, 72 that, I mean, if you go look on 1972 right now, you get like, you know, the last out of Fergie Jenkins, no hitter or something like that. And that's about it. And I think there should probably be hundreds of those sorts of things. Uh, because those are really the ones where when they're up on YouTube and you see them and then 20 minutes later they're gone, you think, I mean, come on, you know, what, what, what revenue are you losing, um, for that? As far as the, the stuff that's current, I mean, it, it, I would rather it was all out there, but it doesn't bother me too much. Mm -hmm. Well, someday, I don't think think it's particularly short-sighted. Someday I hope they can release the past 40 years or so, every second of every game, and then we can go back and, and gif every gifable moment from all of those decades. Yeah, that will keep us busy. And, I would love that. Yes, it would. It would be. I mean, you're probably joking, and I'm <laughs> not. not. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> but I mean, most. It, it, I, it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a much, much larger percentage of clips are embeddable, basically immediately now, aren't they? Yeah, and it's that's almost and, one and of the it more used frustrating to be that it, A year ago, it. there was no embedding. Yeah, there was there was no embedding, and then there was. It seemed like a pretty strict. Uh, our kind of blackout embedding window where you'd have to wait, I think, 48 hours or 24 hours to embed most things. And now, yeah, it seems like I, I see that embed button immediately more often, but not always. So it's kind of an inconsistent policy and I never know what I'm going to get. And I'm just grateful to get anything, I guess. I love MLBAM. I have to be honest. I think that there are there are products I wish were for sale or for consumption that aren't. Mm-hmm. But um, and they will be I'm pretty much at in the some tank. point. If there's something that they can charge us for, I'm sure at some point they will figure out how to do that, and we will happily pay for it. Yes, sir. And I will put it on my expense account. Mm-hmm. And I will sign it for you if I have to do that. I don't think I actually. I've never done that. We should talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious about that. Anyway, Ben, let's wrap it up. Um, I hope that are you coming back tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be back uh, for our Wednesday show back on the, the banks of the Hudson with no sharks or eagles or anything. Okay, well, have a safe trip and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow.